Clonex fam, this is Lost and Found. Welcome to episode 6 of Clonex Radio. Today we have Natasha Fawn. She's one of the queens of Clonex. She's a fellow world traveler and um, one of the busiest people I know in the metaverse. She covers <laughs> fashion, tech, and everything blockchain. Fawn, if you don't mind giving us a little introduction about yourself. Yeah, of course. I mean, I feel like you summarized me quite well. Um, but yeah, um, Natasha Fawn. Uh, I am 28 years old and live in London. Um, I've lived in quite a few different countries in my life. Um, I like to call myself a little bit of an expat brat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a bit of a third culture kid. Um, was studying fashion in university. I went to London College of Fashion, did fashion journalism. Uh, from there, I did my final major, major project in um, like kind of fashion tech and created an app and kind of fell in love with that whole world um, of fashion tech and kind of worked uh, in that in, in that industry uh, for pretty much my whole career. Um, and yeah, uh, got struck down with <laughs> leukemia unexpectedly uh, when I was 24 uh, in 2018. Uh, so that kind of changed the entire course of my life. Uh, I had to kind of pick myself up after the transplant. It was, you know, a long kind of process of me uh, being in recovery and fighting uh, fighting the illness, but somehow got through. Uh, the pandemic happened, so it kind of threw everything up in the air. Um, but here we are, NFTs, blockchain, merging worlds. <laughs> it's all happening. Yeah, it's great. What, what initially brought you into Web3? Um, so I initially found out about NFTs through an uncle of mine who had been investing in uh, Ethereum. He was a very early, um, like, kind of Ethereum maxi, uh, you know, since 2015, I think it was, when we were first discussing it. Uh, I was quite young. I was fresh out of uni when he was kind of first getting me to try and buy some and shilling it to me. Uh, so I didn't quite understand, even though we were having these like kind of deep conversations about it, I, I couldn't quite grasp it. Um, and then, you know, years and years passed by. Um, it's still something that I think that it's not for me. I can't comprehend. I've never been in the kind of finance kind of world. So mm -hmm. I just always um, kind of told myself that this wasn't, in my uh, kind of realm and that I should stick to what I know. Um, and yeah, so I just never even bothered kind of looking into it. And it was only after kind of lockdown happened um, and I started kind of really thinking about what I wanted to do um, in terms of tech and, you know, had a couple of more conversations uh, with this uncle and he introduced me to a blockchain called Luxo um, and kind of mm -hmm. said like, look, I think this is like a perfect thing for you, right? Because you know, you might have not kind of seen the use cases and stuff with Ethereum, but in terms of Luxo, I think it's something that you can like truly buy into because it's it's kind of circled around your kind of passions and your industry. And um, so he's just like, do me a favor, just read the white paper um, and let me know, um, you know, what you think, what your thoughts are, whether you think it's something that, you know, you would actually invest in or not. Uh, and so I kind of read the white paper and it blew my mind. <laughs> I was kind of like, wow, this is absolutely everything that I've been like working on for the last kind of 
seven years of my career, everything that I kind of studied within university and stuff and the direction in which I saw kind of fashion and luxury kind of going um, and like the immersion of tech within that um, and just solving a lot of the kind of problems that we we see in fashion and and luxury um, at the moment in terms of, you know, scalability and uh, sustainability, um, traceability in terms of, you know, um, luxury goods and authentication and things like that. So um, it kind of solved a lot of the problems that, you know, are, are happening within our industry. And, yeah, just combining that with the kind of tech side and, um, you know, the creator economy, which is something that I was working on um, within the apps that I was working for um, for the longest time and supporting creators and making sure that they they get their fair dues and it's not all going to, you know, the big guys that are working at the apps. Um yeah, it, it just all made complete sense to me. So once I discovered that, then obviously I discovered in turn um, NFTs with that. And so my first NFTs that I ever bought were Luxo um, NFTs that were uh, a collaboration between the Dematerialized, which is Luxo's own like marketplace, um, the Fabricant, which is a digital fashion house. Amazing. They do amazing work um, and amazing designs and stuff, really cutting edge. Um, and Artifact. Um, and it was a collaboration between all three of those kind of design houses. And um, I bought two NFTs and was kind of obsessed with all three ever since. And uh, yeah, kind of <laughs> went from there, really. That's great. Yeah, yeah it's it is interesting. The the tie, I think that's what kind of brought me into is is that tie of fashion tech bringing into um just like the security and traceability of um, like the transparency of blockchain. Totally. Yeah. Is, it's really neat. It's, it's something that was needed for sure. Yeah. I mean, I just think that there's so many like applications. I mean, we haven't even thought about all the applications that it could help mm-hmm. um, with a lot of industries, but you know, coming from the kind of fashion industry, I, I can see um, a lot of ways in which it could help, um, you know, so many problems that we have. Mm-hmm. tell me about this uncle did you grow up with him uh so he's he's my mom's brother um i i didn't actually because obviously a lot of my my life i kind of lived um abroad my dad's job kind of took us to a lot of different countries and stuff mm-hmm. so um so we we always had like a kind of we've we've always been a close family um but not a super, super close relationship with him until I moved back to England. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, I I feel like all of my kind of uncles and aunties, uh, we have like a very, very supportive family. So, um, you know, always backing each other up and trying to kind of, I've always felt really, really supported um, by everyone. And just everyone kind of wants to help out if they can, like even overlooking a CV or, you know, if someone's starting a business, like we'll kind of pitch in and help out and give our feedback and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, uh, I would say we we kind of grew um, our relationship kind of in from the 2010s, really. Um, when I was old enough to kind of have deeper kind of conversations um, with him. Um, when there are family get togethers, when I was growing up, music was like a staple 
it was always playing in the background. Was it the same for you? Yeah, definitely. I think music is a big thing. I mean, I when I think about our family parties, they're just absolutely insane. And um, mm-hmm. I've I've got a really big family, more so on my mum's side. Um, my mum is a uh, first generation immigrant from uh, Tanzania and the Seychelles. Um, mm. So they kind of came over to uh, England in 1979, I believe it was, 1978, maybe. Um, and my grandma came over um, on her own with seven children um, to the UK. Uh, and yeah, I just think it was like one of the bravest things that I've ever heard. <laughs> and oh, I have so yeah. much respect for my grandma for being able to do that and kind of uproot her life and kind of moving halfway across the world um, to a completely different country and having to settle in 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 that time as well, you know, when uh, obviously race is um, <laughs> right. something that they would have had to deal with and things like that. So, um, yes, so much respect um, for my grandma for being able to do that and kind of changing her children's uh, lives, I think, definitely for the better um, by making the move. Um, but, yeah, I mean they kind of grew up in what I I think is the kind of best era of music, right? The 70s, 80s, and even like the 90s or whatever, when they were kind of early adults. Um, yeah, I just, I think they, they kind of bring in that kind of influence into all of our family parties. And yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something that we, we do. I mean, <laughs> it's funny, my, my all of my mum's brothers and my mum uh always do this like traditional kind of african dance called uh the sega uh mm. which is funny every every party they kind of put on some some old 80s tunes or whatever and uh get down on it i'm sure that <laughs> as they'd like to describe it sure yeah is that um so like 70s 80s kind of tunes some 90s that's what that's what was playing around the house when you were growing up? Yeah, so I think, uh, so my mum has always been very much like the kind of what's popular now and that's been her kind of, um, her jam, right? She has, it's, I, I don't think my mum was kind of like the music head of the family. It was actually my dad, which I think kind of reflects in a lot of the song choices that I chose. Um, so, I mean, when I think of my mum, I think of the kind of classic ballad kind of singers of of the 80s and 90s and you know I've got a Whitney song in here because it just really reminds me of my mum but I think a lot of the kind of music that was actually playing around my house uh, was actually from my dad's influence who he I think he has a very interesting (laughs) music taste Um, it's kind of like rock but you know he likes the more like r&b inspired and like soul inspired kind of rock and Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think i think a lot of my music kind of taste has developed from a bit of a mix of both of those influences from both my mum and dad um and just hearing what what they were listening to um yeah yeah well, we can hop in this first block and then chat a little bit about it afterwards, if you don't mind. Sure, sure, sure. So first up, You're the Best Thing by the Style Cancel. Hey, 
Something that 
Is Your Love by Whitney Houston. Yeah, banger. Up front, that was You're the Best Thing by the Style Council. And in the middle, Recurring Dream by Crowded House. 
Um, that first song, the Style Council song, I I never heard that one before. No. No, but I get, I definitely got the the smooth R and B. Yeah. From it. It's interesting. Um. So fronted by Style Council, fronted by Paul Weller, um, who was in the Jam before. Mm. Um. So kind of a more rock background, uh, and then he kind of transitioned out of that and wanted to make more kind of soul kind of music as well, like infuse that within like the music that he's writing. Um, yeah. 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 I Googled them and, uh, their, their little headshot, like the duo headshot They're They are some stylish boys for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like very like British in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it was a look for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, Star Council is literally like my dad all over. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll dive into him some more later today. Yeah, cool guys. And that that crowded house song, I knew that one, and I knew um, "Don't Dream It's Over." Yeah, those classic. are the two that I knew from that group. Yeah, so there's quite a few of the crowded house ones that I like wasn't sure which one to pick for this um, mm-hmm. because it was just always on repeat um, in my house or whatever. But um, yeah, it was either going to be recurring dream, don't dream it's over or into temptation, um, mm-hmm. which is another amazing one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I remember um, my dad always blasting out crowded house. I love that as well. And, uh, and of course, Whitney. Yes. And um, who in the 90s didn't grow up listening to Whitney and she was everywhere right um but yeah um I think that song really like resonated with me because I was trying to think hard like which one would kind of represent like my mum and my mum's kind of music taste and stuff Mm. um there's a lot of like Whitney ones that kind of remind me of her but I think that one is like one that I can like really imagine her like dancing to radio on cooking dinner yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah that was um 1998 and that yeah. was you got a little lauren hill feel from that from the yeah, uh, yeah for sure like that vocal sure. sample the drum machine thing it was cool yeah i love that song was it was it equal parents playing music or did one kind of lead the way when it came it was I like mom I, playing more tunes i think it was probably dad to be honest that mm. definitely like i I can think that more influenced me in terms of music because I feel like my mum would have like the radio on. So that's just like classic kind of the music of the time kind of thing. Um, Whereas my dad really was the one that used to like collect albums and vinyls. Like he's always been like super into music. And I think he was the one that kind of influenced me more in terms of uh, more like a deep love for um, like the arts um, my dad's a collector, um, so he he uh, is, I think, one of the world's biggest collectors of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, it's like his first love in life. Oh, really? um, I think he got obsessed like very, very um, early on, um, and has kind of just been, uh, yeah, just absolutely infatuated by every aspect of Edgar Allan Poe's kind of life and kind of dedicated his life to collecting um, 
everything that he can find related to Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Um, and it, it's influenced a, a lot of my life. You know, my my middle name is Ligia, which is a short story of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's. Uh, my brother's middle name is Vincent after Vincent Price, who was a big actor in a lot of the uh, um, the Edgar Allan Poe flicks of, you know, the 40s and 50s um, and 60s. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's been a heavy influence in my life, but he's 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 been uh, also a big kind of purveyor of of culture in terms of movies and you know uh, theatre and things like that. My dad has always been a big influence with that and kind of um, virgin my kind of love for everything creative as well. Um, so we we kind of regularly kind of bond over that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Where was your favorite place that you grew up? Uh, so I think I spent the majority of my life uh, in Bahrain. So I'd have to say Bahrain. Um, I was there from the age of six until 16. Um, so it was kind of like my formative years, really. Um, yeah. And like my entire like kind of childhood. Um, and it was just such a such a bubble away from like the real world um you know the expat life in Bahrain is so comfortable I think Bahrain is like constantly rated within the top kind of five countries for expats to kind of live in um and yeah I mean I just had the most blessed and sheltered upbringing um I'm mm-hmm. so lucky um, to have experienced things that I was able to experience with my dad's job and, um, you know, the education that I was able to have. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, my childhood was flawless. My parents had the happiest marriage. <laughs> there was honestly nothing that I could, I could fault really. Um, but had a really strong kind of family um, unit because obviously we were away from the rest of our family, you know, we came to visit um, like Spain and England where the majority of my family live um, during like the summers and sometimes Christmas and things like that. But most of the time it was me, my mum, my dad and my brother. Um, so, you know, we had quite a close bond, um, just us four as a unit um, during that time when I was living in Bahrain. So, I mean, I really can't look back at it without just having... 99% happy memories, you know. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. Yeah, that's uh, that's not too common these days. It's it's nice to hear when it does happen. Yeah, I mean, my parents are now divorced, so mm. <laughs> it kind of all, the fairy tale ended in Bahrain, I guess. But um, but no, it, it, I yeah, I have to say Bahrain was an incredible place to grow up. I mean, the, the culture there is incredible and... I, I think I was so blessed to grow up around so many different nationalities. I mean, all of my best friends are from different corners of the earth. I think we had something like 70 different nationalities in our school, which is just insane oh, wow. when you think about it. Um, so obviously it's such like a melting pot of cultures and people coming in for different aspects of work and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've got friends all over the world, which is such a wonderful thing because any country that I kind of visit, there's normally someone that I know from there or that has introduced me to some aspect of their culture or something. So um, very blessed in, in that kind of aspect. Yeah. Did you, were you able to live in the States at any period or just visiting 
later no, on? No, so I, I've yeah, so I've been to the states quite a lot um, mm-hmm. with with parents, and then I I kind of had a long gap where um, I didn't come to the states for maybe like ten years, and then uh, the first time that I came in like my adult years was actually the Clone X event in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was amazing to experience New York uh, as an as an adult and uh, and get to see you know what it's like you know, being able to go into all the bars and things like that. Because the last time yeah. I went, I was I was younger, so I, I didn't get to experience that kind of side. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was amazing. And then I I came back. I, I went to Vegas as well for the first time, which was interesting to say the least. Um, yeah. I think Vegas is such a crazy place. Um, and I would actually love to go back, but probably not to the Strip um, because that's what we did. Like, we did a really, like your obvious kind of Vegas Hit it hard, holiday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the casinos, we did a festival when we were out there, uh, which was pretty good actually. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just like clubbing and pool parties and all that kind of thing, which was fun, but it's not my favourite thing to do in the world. I, I much prefer like a kind of city break where I'm soaking in a bit of history and uh yeah something a little bit more kind of low-key than that um that stuff it just doesn't really like bring me joy anymore i think i've discovered in like my kind of later years um but yeah i'd love to go back and kind of see maybe like a bit more of the kind of real las vegas you know outside of the strip and Mm -hmm. experience i mean americans are like fascinates me and when i was in hospital i was absolutely obsessed for i think it was about a month when i was in hospital uh, like researching and watching like documentaries on like the civil war it just it just absolutely fascinated me it's like a weird yeah. thing but like i get these like weird obsessions where like i have to research everything and like read everything i possibly can on like certain things that like just tickle my fancy at the moment and there was yeah a good month where i was absolutely obsessed with like civil war america and like the 1800s in america mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 1800s america is was quite different from 1800s europe for sure yeah and i think that's what i find so fascinating and like even obviously i know like a fair amount about like you know edgar Allan poe and things like that in america but what's so wacky to me is the fact that poe was happening on one side of america and then you've got like the wild west that like was still happening, you know, mm-hmm. 40 years after he had died. Like, right. <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy to me. But I, uh, yeah, very interesting. Were you, when you, when you did visit the States as a, as with the family, did you go to Baltimore? Yes. Yes, of course. I, I had every a feeling time. that that was going to be on the to-do. <laughs> yeah. Every time we went to America, it was always something to do with Poe. So, mm. uh, yeah, we did. Well, not always, but most of the things. I mean, we went to Orlando. Um, once to Disneyland, sure. which was super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, did uh, Baltimore, did uh, did Connecticut because my dad had a has a very good friend um, that lives out there, um, mm. so we did Connecticut as well. Um, New York, of course. Um, LA, we did LA as well, and San Diego. Um, yeah, been been to a couple of places in in America, the, but we'd definitely all love the big to. Spots, yeah, 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 yeah. We'd definitely love to do. Uh, I really want to do Oregon. I really want to do Portland. I'm obsessed with the show Portlandia. 
Um, <laughs> and it's so funny to me because I feel like there's like parts of London. I mean, I'm I'm originally from Brighton, which sure. I feel like is the Portland of the UK, either Brighton or Bristol. We're very like liberal, um, just very like quirky uh, kind of town. Um, and so Portlandia really makes me laugh because I can kind of relate to it um, from the place that I kind of grew up and my own kind of values. It's fun to kind of um, poke fun at that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I, I really, really want to visit Portland. I feel like it would be like such a cool place to visit. Um, but yeah, I would love to do Chicago as well. Um, I've heard Chicago is a really cool city. I'd love to do the South. Um, yeah, Mardi Gras would be amazing. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's plenty to see out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need all the recommendations. I feel like there's loads of clones based all over. Um, so I'd love to do a clone clone road trip or yeah. America tour. See everyone. <laughs> yeah, the Pacific Northwest is very much its own thing. Um, yeah. And I, I lived in Melton for a little bit. Oh, um, nice. If you're familiar. That's not too far, I think, from Brighton. Um, yeah, no, it isn't. And yeah, the Pacific Northwest entirely Portland and Seattle. It's uh, it's its own thing. Uh, I'll just I'll yeah. Leave that. Yeah. I mean, but, I'm really interested to to experience it for myself. You know. <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about um, the kind of music that changed your perception of what music could be? Yeah. So um, this was a hard one, I think, because. I feel like this this question is is tough. I I kind of went for the songs that kind of don't feel like songs to me and kind of expanded my mind in terms of like what a typical kind of track could be. Um so Ripples again, Genesis, my dad is a huge fan. Um this is another one that I remember he had the Platinum Collection album of Genesis mm-hmm. in his car. Um, and I just remember like so many times just like driving to school or driving anywhere and l- like staring at the album cover, which had these like really quirky kind of illustrations on the front. And I think yeah. like each one was kind of taken from uh, like a particular kind of album. Um, and I, th- I think it was kind of like the mix of the culture it kind of reminds me of the Edgar Allan Poe stuff that my dad's introduced me to like a lot of the kind of illustrated comics of Edgar Allan Poe and stuff it kind of reminded me of that and I've just got it kind of burned into my brain this album cover Mm. um but I remember it was the third disc of it um has all these amazing songs on it um the cinema show I think was on it um another one called Carpet Crawlers, um, and then Ripples, which, again, really reminds me of my dad. Um, And I think it's just an incredible piece of music that, I mean, even today, I can't think, and I mean, I'm sure I'm wrong, I'm sure there are pieces of music, whatever, but I can't think of any other kind of music that sounds like this album. Like, you know, the the third uh, disc of it is just it's music that sounds completely unique to my ears and I haven't, I can't even put a genre on it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's always been something 
that, yeah, I can't quite put my finger on, but I just absolutely love and it gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. Um, and Ripple's actually, so to get a bit dark, um, I when when I was in hospital, obviously I was, I was very, very ill um, and I had um, a type of leukemia that, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't make it through. And I had not only this leukemia, but I had two genetic mutations on top of it. And the kind of doctors were very like realistic with me. So uh, a lot of the times they were like, don't even think ahead. Like don't think about the future. Just take everything one day at a time enjoy the second that you're kind of living in, um, which obviously is very hard when you're living in an isolation room right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're not allowed to escape and your immune system is on zero and you feel ill and you're having chemo for 12 hours a day or whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it was a really like kind of dark time. And I, and I think there were many moments where uh, my, I think my family and the kind of doctors weren't sure whether I would kind of make it through and things like that. So I actually ended up doing a playlist and I did a playlist of three songs that I wanted to be played <laughs> at my funeral if um, if I didn't make it through. And this was actually one of them because I think it's the nostalgic element of, of kind of hearing it and things like that, you know, um, from around the house, but... Yeah, it's just one of those pieces of music that really like touches me, and yeah, it's it's a it's an important piece of music um, to me. Yeah, um, but Can yeah, give and it then a listen? yeah, yeah, go for it. All right, we'll we'll hop in this first one, then we'll chat about the next one. Sure, sure, sure. Ripples by Genesis. Launched 
Yes, I did. So I packed it up and brought it back to the crib. Just a little something, show you how we live. Everybody want it, but it ain't that serious. Mm-hmm. That's that shit. So if you gon' do it, do it just like this. Wow, the crowd is. You don't see just how fly my style is. I don't see why I need a stylist. When I shot so much, I can speak Italian. I don't know, I just want it better for my kids. And I ain't saying we was from the projects, but every time I wanna lay away or deposit, my dad say, when you see close, close your eyelids. We was sort of like Will Smith and his son. In the movie, I ain't talking about the rich ones. Cause every summer, he'll get some brand new hair brain scheme to get rich from. And I don't know what he did for dope, but he'll send me back to school. With a new wardrobe and hey, 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 I think he did when he packed it up and brought it back to the crib. Just a little something, show you how we live. Anything I wanted, man, it seems so serious. That's that shit. So if you gon' do it, do it just like this. It's harder than dying For me, giving up's way harder than trying Lauren Hill said her heart was in Zion I wish her heart still was in rhyming Cause who the kids gonna listen to? Huh? I guess me if it isn't you Last week I paid a visit to the institute They got the dropout keeping kids in the school I guess I clean up my act like Prince do If not for the pleasure, at least for the principal They got the CD, then got to see me drop gems Like I dropped out a P.E. They used to feel invisible Now they know they invisible. This is the story of a champion. Rumbles in the mark and they pop the gun. Stand up, stand up, here he comes. Tell me what it takes to be number one. Tell me what it takes to be number one. This is the story of a champion. Rumbles in the mark and they pop the gun. Stand up, stand up, here he comes. Tell me what it takes to be number one. Tell me what it takes to be number one. Yes, I did. So I packed it up and brought it back to the crib. Just a little something, show you how we live. Everybody want it, but it ain't that serious. Mm-hmm. That's that shit. So if you gon' do it, do it just like this. Like this. That there was Champion by Kanye West. Up front was Ripples by Genesis. And in the middle, my mistakes were made for you, the last Shadow Puppets. All, all three amazing songs. Yeah, I mean, very random. I mean, when we first, uh, when I first submitted these, uh, I did say to you that it was, it was a very random mix of songs. But I feel like that's what my music taste is. I, I really go like day to day, listening to like completely different genres. Um, yeah. No, that's that's perfect though. Is just having an eclectic taste is always. <laughs> it's better than just being like straight, you know just one style being open to everything is always nice yeah do you remember the first time that you heard ripples (sighs) oh god no there was like a specific or anything i don't know i I can't remember i think it's literally been playing since i've been born basically um it's just it's just one of those songs that has always been around for me um and yeah obviously as you can tell before i've got a little kind of emotion attached to it (laughs) It was a it was a really interesting um, exercise doing this, and 
when you asked me to do this, I was like, oh, this sounds cool. And then when you sent over the Google Forms with all of the questions, I was like, damn, this is going to be hard. Like I've never really like sat down and had to hone in like a lot of these kind of questions or whatever. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a very, I had a, on Friday night, I kind of sat down, um, I was home alone. I sat down like on my computer with Spotify open and I was like, okay, let's do this. Like, <laughs> let's write these down. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough exercise and having to like listen through certain things and it was emotional. I, I, I did cry, um, when I was listening to some of these tracks, um, even, even when I was just trying to do this list because it's just so much emotion that kind of attaches itself to music. I think it's such a, such a personal thing. Um, and this, I think this is why I felt like a bit nervous about doing this, uh, this today, because it's very like intimate opening to like your soul almost. Right. A lot of my friends would probably be like, what is this list? Because you normally listen to like Beyonce or like yeah. Chris Brown on like a regular kind of basis or whatever, or, mm -hmm. you know, even some of the kind of like indie rock and stuff. But when I really think about the music that I had to put down on this list, a, a lot of the stuff that I listen to like day to day just doesn't make the cut. And it's these kind of pieces of music that kind of you listen to maybe once every couple of months or whatever that give you chills all over your body and they mean something so deep or whatever because it kind of attaches itself to like a time or a memory or whatever. Um, but yeah. Completely. No, I, I appreciate your vulnerability when it comes to song <laughs> choices. It's I'm actually pretty surprised on the song choices on all the episodes so far because everybody has like done some like deep cuts that I've I've never heard of. Um not that I know every song ever made, but yeah. Um I I appreciate the people actually like take it upon themselves to really find tunes that mean a lot to them. It's nice. Yeah. That's really cool. And that, that I just remember, like you said, like studying that, that Genesis album cover with the, the figures on it. Yeah. It was, it was very strange to me when I was younger, but. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I feel yeah. like I was so exposed to like weirdness through my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that It kind of, it, it feels like home, you know? Yeah. And that the lead into the chorus on that first part of Ripples is so, is, is, it's so beautiful. Like, sell Isn't away, it? ripples never come back. It's Oh, my God, yeah. The lyrics nice. and everything. And I, I'm just obsessed with the kind of middle instrumental that they've got in there. Like, yeah. to me, it feels so out of place and in place at the same time. Like, mm. I can't even describe it. Um, yeah, like a yeah, classical just, piece just in the middle oh, of it. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And the ending of that, like, um, I forgot his name. Tame Impala, he has a lot to thank Genesis. Oh, for, yeah, for sure. For sure. That kind yeah. of like psych psychedelic, like theatrical almost. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. It was Incredible. beautiful. And um, My Mistakes, that was my that was my introduction to Alice Turner and Arctic Monkeys. Really? Yeah. That's uh, how did that how did that song affect you when you first heard it? So I I discovered this a little bit late, right? I obviously knew Arctic Monkeys, mm. um, but like 
not super deep or anything. You know, I liked like their kind of more obvious um, songs and stuff when I was living in Bahrain. But um, uh, this album, I kind of maybe discovered in like 2011, I would say maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of years after it came out. And I think this is the first album that to me, I listen all the way through and I love every single song in it, which isn't uncommon for me, right? There there are like quite a lot of albums that I like to listen from back to back. Um, but to me, this is genuinely like a, a visual film, uh, like, a, like an audio film, sorry. Like to me, I can picture when I listen back, like cover to cover or whatever, um, I, I can just see like a, a plot of like a movie, you know, like a Tarantino yeah. or whatever. Like it is just completely an incredible album. And like every song there's, it, it almost feels like there's ups and downs and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just an incredible album. And I think this is probably one of my favorite songs um, out of it. And just the, the strings and yeah, I just think it's incredible. And I love both of them um, separately. Um, I've seen them both live. Um, Mm -hmm. Incredible, incredible artists. Um, Yeah. yeah, Big, big, big fan of both. Yeah. They're, this is um, this sort of like James Bondy kind of uh, like there's secrets to this song, you know, and it's really, it's really compelling. I really, the first time I heard this, I was like, like, I, I haven't heard this when it's not a, a theme. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. And yeah. uh, I haven't seen The Last Shadow Puppets play, but I did see um, Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, that was, they're incredible. Man. That was my first show as an adult. They were doing, they were touring with the Black Keys in the States. Oh, amazing. Um, AM tour and uh, Brothers album, the one with the minivan on the cover. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was my first like adult thing I did. And I walked in the venue and they were playing Are You Mine? Oh my and god. And I was just like this is like cla- as classic my our era rock kind of yeah. atmosphere. Like it was it was a it was a great feeling. Yeah. I um I once got <laughs> I once got uh like uh how do you call it? Like, you know, when people like jump into the crowd and they get like lifted, what is that called? Crowd surf. Crowd surf. That's the one. Uh, I once got crowd surfed out of an Arctic Monkeys concert. Um, out of it? Yes, because there was basically, I was right at the front. Mm-hmm. Um, this was back in 2014, I think, 2013, 2014. Sure. Uh, got crowd surfed out i was literally inches away from alex turner and Mm -hmm. um got crowd surfed out because i was about to pass out uh because i was literally in the middle of the mosh pit oh um and had to listen to the rest of the concert in the medical tent which was fun uh so that was the last time that i i went that close up (laughs) uh, to a stage and i think it's given me ptsd now i've got really bad um claustrophobia when it comes to crowds Mm. um (laughs) traumatic experience but still incredible and i'll never forget it but uh yeah very traumatic (laughs) that's a memory it's a memory indeed it's a memory indeed 
I I don't think I've heard stories of people in involuntarily being crowd surfed for their um, for their own well being. I I was begging for but, it. I was literally like, please, <laughs> everyone, get me out yeah. of this hellish nightmare. Oh. Um, but the first fifteen minutes were incredible until mm. the mosh pitting kind of started. Sure. Um, yeah, you, you got to choose your space wisely when yes, you go see a show. Absolutely, absolutely. I feel like I'm like a very weak human being anyway, so I, no, I couldn't yeah. really hold hold myself very well um, <laughs> against all these guys just rocking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then, champion. Yeah. So I feel like I had to throw in a Kanye one in there because I just. I just love me some Kanye. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I was going to do Through the Wire or whatever, you know, that, like I agree with everyone in the world that that is one of his best songs, right? <laughs> that was Boo's choice in this bracket. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I, yeah, I mean, I was going to do something from the first album and stuff, but then I was mm. just like, if I'm being completely and utterly like authentic, uh, I was too young when the first album came out. I was too young when the second album came out. So actually I was like, when did I actually get my introduction to him was the graduation album. And that was like me just turning into a teenager, like just starting to go to parties and like doing all of that thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, the good life and all of that stuff was amazing. But I think Champion is the one that like really kind of like reminds me of being like, just turning into a teenager and all the parties and one that's kind of like stuck with me. Um, and yeah, that was like my first kind of introduction to Kanye. And then once I'd heard those songs, then I kind of went back and listened yeah, to like right. the other albums and stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, um, since then I've been a big Kanye fan. I agree. I think Kanye has probably been the most featured of all the episodes that I've done so far. Really? I mean, um, I, I kind of get that. I feel like... The clones have quite like a connection <laughs> I mean the, with the, Kanye. The tie. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but I mean, he's he's just so him and Phil Collins both are just like so innovative through the sound. Totally, totally. Um, I mean, no one can sample like Kanye can. Um, right. When, yeah, with that Steely Dan sample in that one. Yeah, and like yeah. one of my favorite ones, I think that I discovered was. Um, I think it's bound to mm. um and it's got this sample uh from like the 70s i think it is 70s or 60s um bound to fallen in love yeah yeah and it's it's just the most incredible like song and it's just like how did you even find that and sample it and like i love bound to i think it's such a beautiful song but yeah. like and as well, like the music video, you know, when it came out, everyone was like up in arms about it, like being like, what is this shit? And it's actually really funny because it was actually directed by um, like a lecturer in my university. And I was at uni at the time. Oh, really? Um, and I remember like such like anger being like, you people don't know, no art. Like this, <laughs> this yeah, guy is no. one of the beta, best right. like, photographers of our generation. Mm. Like you don't understand. And they're like, but the wind is going in the wrong direction. And it's like, it's supposed to be like that. It's ironic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love that song as well. <laughs> yeah. When, when you started getting older and uh, you were able to take in music, more so like on your own um 
Were you taking music in from your friends or like the radio or YouTube, I guess? So I think when I was younger, because I lived in Bahrain, there's like a very like heavy kind of American um, influence on like the kind of culture over there. So I kind of grew up with a lot of the like kind of early 2000s American kind of hip hop, R&B and kind of even though I'd get influenced obviously by my parents and stuff, that was what everyone was kind of listening to like in school, right? It was like the popular mm-hmm. kind of culture. Um, so I feel like I I would say that that was the music that we really like predominantly listened to along with like, you know, some of the more like indie kind of tracks and the more like American kind of rock, Green Day and stuff. My brother was um, kind of a big fan of um, like... Snow Patrol and, <laughs> yeah. and like Block Party. Yeah, like that was an era. Up and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think I kind of, I was, yeah, influenced by like friends and um, it's a bit naughty to admit, but in Bahrain, uh, back in those days, it was very easy to kind of get into clubs underage. So we were kind of going to clubs and bars quite young. So, uh, and a lot of these clubs kind of catered to the U.S. Marines that were the base, stationed yeah. out in Bahrain. Right. Um, so a lot of it would be Lil Wayne, um, you know, all the like kind of classic R&B, hip hop, Amelie, uh, yeah, that just yeah, yeah. lollipop. Oh my god, uh-huh. <laughs> Ti, yeah, yeah, all of those kind of tracks. So yeah, I mean, when I think about like the childhood, well, the like teenage kind of years or whatever, it's it's literally all that kind of music. Yeah, that was a that was a time in its own for sure. It was a time. It was a time. For for this next block here, um, I asked my guests three songs that you found through friend shows or just the culture around you, and uh, we'll hop into this block and chat a little bit about it oh. afterwards. So first up, "Slide Away" by Oasis. <laughs>
Oh, 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 oh,
That one there was Heat Wave by Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. That first song there was Slide Away by Oasis. And in the middle, Strawberry Letter 23, Brothers Johnson. I'm uh I'm surprised you didn't have any like Kyle Dixon or uh any of those like synthy things from back when, I suppose. Yeah, I mean I I chose these ones, right? Because I think this is what when I started to like really get into music. Um so what we were talking about before when when I was in Bahrain with all the kind of American influences and things like that, I feel like I didn't really, I thought I liked music and I thought I knew music or whatever, but I was very kind of sheltered or whatever. And uh, originally being British, right, my dad is British, my mum is from the Seychelles in Tanzania, but, you know, lived, uh, you know, years in, in England before we actually moved out to Bahrain. Um, so... You, you almost have this thing where when you're an expat where you don't quite know your identity. And I think for me as well, being mixed race, you know, it's always like a tough, um, tough thing because you kind of don't feel enough one way and, and enough the other way. Um, and I think when I moved to England, I was 16 years old. Um, I kind of saw it as very like transformative period where I was like right okay I want to kind of reinvent myself um I don't like the kind of person I was becoming when I was younger I mean like you know when I was 16 or whatever I thought okay this is my chance to have like a a new start start fresh or whatever mm-hmm. um and then I'm I moved to England and kind of my bubble burst <laughs> where I had a very sheltered upbringing life or whatever and moved to England and I kind of realized, oh my God, I don't, I know nothing, right? This is the real world. This is like the grit and the, and I think it really fascinated me because I thought I was English and then I moved back and I was just like, I know nothing of like mm-hmm. the true like British kind of culture or whatever. And yeah. I think it was probably uh, a reflection on that as to why I kind of really like dove deep into kind of music and art that came out of out of Britain, not just like, you know, during the years that I kind of missed, but also like diving kind of deeper. Um, so, I mean, I have to say uh, the first one, uh, he probably will never listen to it. I'm, I'm considering sending it to him. Uh, but this was my first boyfriend that I had <laughs> when I moved back to the UK was what still is a big Oasis head. Um mm-hmm his complete scene um, is the kind of like, you know, uh, revival kind of mod scene um, of like the kind of 80s. Um, yeah, just big fan of those kind of um, bands and, and musicians. And um, I mean, I obviously always knew Oasis, knew their kind of key songs and stuff, but it wasn't until I was kind of really introduced to like their whole kind of discography that like it, it made me realize like how much of a cultural, cultural influence they were like back in the nineties and like the early two thousands. And like I said before, I'm one of those people that like really gets obsessed with things when I like find them interesting. Um, So yeah, like I, yeah, I just like dove deep into it and became kind of obsessed with that movement and, you know, the whole, uh, 
like Britpop kind of era and like the Manchester scene or whatever in the 90s. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean, the first two albums are like incredible, but um, yeah, I, I have to say Slide Away, I think is, is one of my favorite songs um, from all of their work. Uh, yeah, I just, I just really, really enjoy their work. And it, it, it was like, you know, just, absorbing that kind of culture that came around that time and it's like you know watching documentaries about like Nebworth uh, they did like this huge concert that was like the biggest I think of it in like you know UK history or something they had like mm. over a hundred thousand people I think more than that probably um like gathered in this field or whatever and I just remember watching the documentary and having this like deep nostalgia even though like I would have been probably two at the time I think it was sure I think it was in 1996 um but like just wishing that I was there you know like just thinking my god this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life and like yeah. got such like a yearning to it like experience it or whatever um but yeah, and like, you know, shows like This Is England, like a huge influence um, on like, you know, the music that I was kind of listening to back in like the early uh, 2010s and shows like My Mad Fat Diary, another one from Channel 4 or whatever that had like the most incredible like score and soundtrack and um, of all that kind of era of music and yeah. Yeah, with with Oasis, I mean, they are as big as it gets when it comes to dream pop, or I mean, Britpop, yeah. sorry. And yeah, um, they're very proud. That's a very proud era of music. Like they're like, this is what we are. Um, and I I do appreciate people that don't try to mask their accent when they sing. Yes, and, totally. and they're not shy about it whatsoever, which is which is cool. Totally. I mean, I think like Liam is just the most incredible like rock and roll front man that like we've possibly ever seen. Like he just gives no shits whatsoever, and yeah. just has like such a unique way of performing, and yeah, just has like no qualms about just showing up as like authentically himself as possible which i just think is so rock and roll and badass anyway yeah um but yeah cool dude and um same with i mean strawberry letter that's such an iconic melody with that yeah i mean i i love that song so much um i chose this one because um big tarantino fan um mm. and I was like, I've got to get in some like some movie reference here or whatever. So I chose this because uh, Jackie Brown, one of the best soundtracks in my opinion. Uh, I mean, all of Tarantino's films like have amazing soundtracks, but um, that one for me, I mean, I love the 70s and yeah, it just, that song hits, hits real good. And the Bill Withers, like who is he? And uh, yeah, there's like so many like classic 70s kind of tracks on there um across 110th street um yeah some good ones on that thing but uh strawberry letter 23 one of my favorite um songs and as well like on that listening to it again it's funny when we were listening to it, i was just like that instrumental 
gives me like Genesis vibes, you know, and it's only <laughs> yes. like listening to yeah. it all the way through or whatever. Um, and then hearing obviously the Genesis that we were listening to before or whatever, kind of gives me, gives me those kind of vibes. And, and Heatwave recorded yeah. in 1963 down mm-hmm. the road for me, actually. Yeah. Um, did you hear this song in, in Sister Act? Is that where you first heard this song? So I, I can't remember where the first time I would have heard it. It's, it's one of those songs that I feel like everyone knows it, right? Um, right yeah. But I think this as well was, um, I, I kind of got reintroduced to this song and like the kind of wider Motown um, kind of scene when I was writing my dissertation. So I, I wrote my dissertation on like mod subculture um, mm. in like the 1960s in the UK. Um, and yeah, obviously when I was researching, like I was kind of diving so deep into that kind of subculture. Um, and yeah, just was listening to a lot of Motown and like Northern Soul um, and just seeing like what, because I my piece was more to do with like kind of, um, sociology and fashion uh, and like media kind of press coverage around um, women within the mod scene and and the kind of uh, the media like visibility with women versus like the men and and why it kind of happened and all that kind of thing. Um, but um, yeah, obviously because I was trying to kind of immerse myself in the kind of culture as much as possible, I was watching as many like kind of movies as possible and whatever like coming across um the the jam cover they did it a couple of years later i think mm-hmm. um uh, sorry not the jam the who and then the jam covered it a couple of years later yeah, after yeah. after the who but um but yeah i think uh i think i had to add in something to nod that kind of era of my life where i was kind of delving into all of that stuff Phil, Phil Collins, our buddy Phil Collins also did a cover of that song recently. Yes, yeah, he did, right? Yeah. yeah. It all links. It's, it all, all it's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> um, this next section here, three songs that you love to show other people. Can you give us a sort of scenario in like the, the most idyllic way where you're just like rubbing your hands together, you're excited to show some people some tunes? So this is really funny. This was the hardest category for me because mm-hmm. I, I'm normally very, very like kind of personal about music. I think when I was younger or whatever, I, I was like, oh, guys, I've just discovered this new Lil Wayne song or whatever. It's amazing. You guys have to hear it. So I, I was very like forthcoming with sharing music before. I think music has become a very, very, very personal thing for me now where, uh, I think I'd be almost a little bit embarrassed for people to see my playlist, which Mm. is why I feel like this is very like (laughs) exposing to me because I feel like it's just so random. People just might be quite confused or whatever. So this was a really hard category for me because I, I was trying to think when was the last time I sent someone a song and I honestly can't remember. Like I really can't remember the last time that I shared a piece of music with someone. So I kind of chose stuff that maybe are a little bit more, I don't know, obscure or that people, things that are on my playlist that maybe people wouldn't know that I would kind of be like, hey, check this out. It's like a a cool song that I like, whatever. Um, I mean, the first one 
it's kind of got a cute little story behind it. And the reason why I kind of chose it was, um, so it was during lockdown that this got released and I can't even remember how I came across it. I think I was just listening to a random radio on um, Spotify and um, it must have had some kind of Afro beats in it or whatever for this to have come up. Um, and yeah, it was during the lockdown. I had just come out of my stem cell transplant. So that kind of happened in uh, March. Well, it actually happened in February, but I came out of hospital March 2020. And it was about a week. I think it was exactly a week. I came out of hospital and then the UK went into the like right. uh, lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was it was a really funny time because obviously there was so much sadness and and worry and anxiety and things like that and even for me you know coming out of hospital with no immune system they were like you are completely high risk where like my mum quit her job so that she could like care for me at home um and have no kind of contact with the outside world and my grandma was with with us as well so it was me my mum and my grandma in this house and none of us left the house uh i think from march until mid-may my mum didn't even go out to the shops people dropped us like food outside my mum would pick up the bag cleanse it and everything because we were just so scared that i would i would catch something um and i remember hearing this i think it was maybe like around my birthday or something like that um in in may and it, it was such a strange time because even though it was really scary and I was very scared about catching Corona because it probably would have killed me within those first few months. It was such a beautiful time where I got to spend with my mum and grandma and just have like completely like girl quality time. And like, I'll never forget those months. We, we were actually really happy um, and just had like some amazing, like, uh, bonding kind of moments between us and um, just the joy in knowing that I had kind of made it out of the transplant period, you know, because in, in, in even in the first 30 days, I think you've got like a 15% chance of dying or whatever. So oh, the fact wow. I'd kind of made out that far already and it was kind of like, it was looking up, things were looking up for me um, and I had kind of gotten through that period and and hopefully was going to be okay there was this like um I had this like such like strong kind of hope in my heart and this song came on as I, th- I think I might have been in the shower or something like that and it came on and I remember the first time that I heard it because it just it just encapsulated everything that I felt it's just a song that I think that you you genuinely like can't be depressed listening to it because it's just so like joyful and it it just switch something on inside of me and it's just an amazing um amazing song and uh i found out afterwards that the the title of it actually translates in english to life hasn't stopped which i think is really beautiful like coming out in lockdown or whatever it's like you know life goes on and like we will be like kind of out of this and you know just because we're all in lockdown or whatever doesn't mean that um you know life stops you know there was still like joy to be had in that period even though we were all like at home and things like that so um yeah I I do love that one yeah it's it's very interesting when when music lines up that kind of way where you feel this meaning and then you have 
another realization on top of that with it. Yeah. Especially that, that is nice. Um, yeah. And then that, the second one, um, if you were here tonight, um, I have, I, I think I, I mean, I've heard it before, obviously, but I think I rediscovered it, uh, maybe like March of this year or something. Somehow it came on a playlist on Spotify or whatever. And, um, I have been absolutely, this is maybe one of the songs on here that I actually listen to on like such a regular basis. Whereas a lot of the other ones I don't, I don't listen to often. Hmm. Um, but this one to the point where my poor cousin who I, I live with and is my flatmate, I'm literally looking at her right now. She's smiling at me because she knows I have absolutely rinsed this song. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those ones where I can listen to it 15 times in a row and it's still like, it hits the same every single time. Um, so I feel like I had to put this one in there just because I annoy Alicia with it too much. So it's one of those ones I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure she uh, she appreciates that I'm putting it in here because I do yeah. obviously love to show her that I love this song. Um, and then the third one, I mean, again, like I said, this is really hard, but um, I discovered th this band, which... You know, they do some really cool tracks, um, but I love this one, uh, What Once Was. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know what it is about it. Again, I think I discovered it through Spotify, like a random radio or whatever. Um, but it's, again, one of those ones where I don't think many people know the band. I think they're from Liverpool originally. A lot of the songs actually on, on this list, I realised, were are actually British artists. But yeah, um, but yeah no, uh, amazing band. Um like kind of a different sound than I normally kind of listen to, but I really like this track. Yeah. These three are new to me. I'm excited to. Yeah. Very different as well. All three of them. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, would you care to say this first title here? So I'm probably going to butch this as well. Um, but I believe it's Ubomi Abumanga. By Sun Al. Yeah, by Sun Yeah. I'll practice that a couple times. <laughs> I'll get it by the time we I come know, back I, from this I, I, I'm not sure I've probably butchered that as well. But <laughs> Up front, Ubami Abumanga. Yeah.
That was What Once Was by Hers. Up front, Ubomi Abumanga, a Sun Owl musician in Misaki. And if you were here tonight, Alexander O'Neill. That Ubomi song, carrying that melody through the tune was, it was um, almost like meditative. Right. And like those, it's, it's, I, I translated the lyrics and it's just like all positive affirmations. It's really nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't um, know. I just, when I heard it, it just, that's the exact kind of vibe. It was just such like a positive and like uplifting, like you just can't be sad listening to that song. It just gives it me great. so much like hope and joy and also like the kind of connection with, uh, you know, like my African kind of heritage and stuff, which I'm not super, super kind of tapped into. So it kind of makes me proud to be on the continent, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the words um, throughout the song, like you have been having aspirations for so long cross the bridge and come over. And then that last refrain is let me remind you life hasn't stopped. Mm -hmm. There will never be someone like you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Um, and if you were here tonight, that's a, that guy, that's a smooth cat. He's <laughs> right. Yeah. He's, he's got it going on. Yeah. Um, and not, not too many songs have those like whisper monologues in the middle of, Oh my you, God. I know, you know, I wish I just I just love it. I feel like it's like the most perfect like eighties sexy song. Um yeah. but it just has all my kind of notes in it and I just can listen to it every time and it's just as good as the first time. Yeah. And um what once was. I didn't expect yeah. that sort of sound. It kinda reminded me of um MGMT. The, yes. the little dark Which age album. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love it. I was getting that feeling from it. Yeah, it was but nice. yeah, that kind of like lo-fi kind of indie mm. pop, yeah, rock, whatever. But actually, it's really sad because, like, I love, I love that song. I mean, I don't really know many of their other songs and stuff, but um, I do know that they they're not around anymore. They actually died, both of them. Oh, wow. um, it's, it's these two uh, guys or whatever and they actually died I think it was like a car crash or whatever oh, um, yeah tragic yeah are um, are any of these songs on your travel playlists or do you do you make playlists for your journey or do you just shuffle when you're traveling the world uh, I normally shuffle really um, I've, I've had like certain travel playlists where if I go back on my Spotify there's like random kind of songs or whatever that I've shoved into a playlist as the um as the airplane has been on the runway just about to take off mm -hmm. quickly trying to download five songs yeah. because for some reason Spotify hasn't uploaded my playlist or whatever and so I've got these really random ones that just remind me of certain holidays or whatever I had the, you know a couple of years ago and things like that um but no I I actually I have to say I rely heavily on Spotify's algorithm. I just think that actually it's pretty unbeatable and I've discovered a lot of music through it. Um, so I do, I do have to say I'm a bit lazy with my playlist. I've got a few that I kind of hit if I want certain kind of uh, certain vibe, but I, I do, if I feel like I just want to hear some new stuff or some stuff that I know is on the right um, track, 
I go for a song that I like and do song radio um, and and let Spotify do its thing. It's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. I'm uh, I'm an Apple Music guy oh, myself. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry to admit. <laughs> but I, I do make playlists for people. And like you said, it's a very... It is a very personal thing when you share yeah. music. Um, it's a rare occasion, but I usually do have to make playlists through Spotify since it's a it's a rare encounter when I find somebody else who has Apple Music. But yeah, it's an even tighter bond when I find that person. You know? <laughs> I can imagine. Um, before we wrap up, uh, I just wanted to say that I'm I was very excited to have you on the show. Um, yeah, it's been I'm, super fun. I'm, I'm a fan of yours. Just to say, um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm enamored by your, by your strength, and, I mean, you're a survivor, and, it's, it's inspirational to see, um, what you've been through, you know, and just how you're pursuing and continuing things like. Well, I didn't know you beforehand, but um, it seems like just stronger than ever and like that full commitment. Um, and I, I just appreciate you sharing your time and um, being vulnerable and talking about your past and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been such an amazing exercise for me to, to do this and I've absolutely loved it and really respect like what you're what you're doing here, I think. You know, I was speaking with my cousin about it yesterday and we were just saying how like incredible this is and I can't wait to have this as something that I can look back on in, in 10 years time or whatever and hear this kind of interview and I just think it's such a cool thing and not many people are doing such like unique stuff around our community like this so I, I appreciate you so much for um, you know doing this and picking out some really awesome people in our community. Um, of course yeah. yeah. Um, before this last block, do you want, do you have anything that you want to share, whatever you're working on, if you can, um, share anything or even just something that you're observing and you're excited about? It doesn't have to be web three. I mean, I, I'm so excited by web three. I think it's, it's something that the more I kind of delve into it and the more time that I spend within our community, it just makes so much sense. I've, I've never really been a big um, kind of internet community kind of person, right? I'm not a gamer. Um, Same. Yeah. I, have, I haven't really kind of been in on that kind of culture before. So I'm not used to kind of having friends, um, you know, that I don't know in real life. Um, right. And, I, and if you asked me a year ago, I would laugh at you if you told me that I was going to be such great friends and have such amazing bonds with people that are from all walks of life, like completely different ages and cultures and everything like, a, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't have imagined it for myself. Um, but here I am, you know, being besties with the most random people ever mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> in comparison to me and, and probably for them as well. I'm the most random friend that they, they've got or whatever and they probably didn't expect to kind of make. So I just think it's a beautiful thing, you know, um, our, how, how these communities are like coming together and bringing people from all walks of life. And, and I think that's the thing that makes me the most bullish about it all um, is that, you know, even when our JPEGs are worth nothing, <laughs> I've, 
I mean, community is is the true utility, right? I know, I know it sounds so cringe to say, but um, I think that's the thing that makes me most excited about, um, you know, the projects that I'm in. Um, I've just met some amazing people and, you know, the investment side of it or whatever is just a bonus and it's everything that we're kind of building, experiencing in real life together um, that just makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, so I like to introduce the, the last block of songs, um, beforehand, and then we just end that'll, those three songs will end the show. So if you'd like to, uh, give us a little information on these last three here. Sure. So, um, September is a funny one. Uh, I, I'm like completely atheist and I'm not, I don't, I don't really believe in a lot of things and I'm not superstitious or anything like that. Sure. But this song is such, <laughs> such a weird thing, right? So every time that I feel kind of like anxious, there's been so many moments in my life since, um, since I've come out of transplant and since I, I was ill, um, that this song has showed up in moments where I'm like feeling super anxious or unsure or whatever. And for some reason, this song will play on the radio, a band will play it, or like in just the most weird, weird situations. And now it's to the point where every time I hear it, it feels like a signal. And I know that might sound crazy to some people, but when I tell you the amount of times that it's, come on in a moment of my life where I've been questioning something or unsure or uneasy or having health anxiety or whatever. It's, it's almost like a, a little nod to me that like everything's going to be okay, just relax. And it makes me smile every time it comes on now. And I I literally, every time it comes on, I I call my my cousin and I call my mum and say, oh my God, guess what songs just come on on the radio when <laughs> yeah. I feel super anxious or this or that whatever so it's it's so funny now all my family kind of knows that this is like the song that comes on or whatever when um yeah when I'm in a bit of a kind of tumultuous time in my life or whatever um so yeah I had to put that in there because I will always love it because it will always be like an indicator to me that everything's going to be okay um and to wish impossible things another song that I will always, always love. It was one of the ones on my playlist as well, my little funeral playlist. So I love it. Um, I'm not a big Cure fan or anything, but this song is just uh, one of those ones that I will always love. I think it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music to me. Completely. Um, And yeah, I just think it's amazing. And then the last one, um, a little bit cliche because I feel like, again, everyone... It's everyone's favourite Smith song, um, but there is light and it never goes out. I think I was really thinking about this question, right, because the earth and, like, showing the beauty of, like, life or whatever, right? I think from everything that I've been through, um, there's such a, a peace that comes, like, it, it, with, like, death and like having to like embrace that. And I think this is one of those songs where it really shows like the beauty of living is like being totally okay with death um, because, you know, it comes hand in hand. And Mm. I I just think that this is just such a beautiful song about, yeah, like, you know, the human existence, right? Um, Having so much love for someone that you're 
happy to die with them, right? Um, in that yeah. moment, I think it's pretty cool. And uh, the the album is uh, a, a series of events, not to not to necessarily try and date what we're doing today. Um, today is uh, October fifth when this show comes out, I believe. But um, it is the ooh, what day is it? The twenty fifth of September. And with September, did you play this song on the twenty first? I did not. No. Oh, that's that's an annual tradition know, in my I, I, in my household. I should have really. No, I mean this is this is I don't really play it unless it comes on. It's mm. one of those things. I'm a bit superstitious about it now. No, I don't want to force. You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to force it. <laughs> I was just wondering if it happened to just come across your path on that day. Yeah. And, no. It, um, it didn't. But um, I'm surprised it didn't. Maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the Smith song. I mean. One of, uh, one of the most famous Smith records, you know. So yeah. many are are iconic, but the Queen is dead, and that that album name is uh, quite even more so. Um, yeah, revealing these days. <laughs> um, I went to see Morrissey before before I let you go. I got to do a little story. Yeah, um, go for it. I went to see Morrissey in in London. Um, well. What was it? It was the big venue in London with the with the Duomo on top. And, uh, the O2. Um, yes. Yeah. No, the the brick one, the BBC one. Maybe that doesn't help, but mm-hmm. um, regardless, flew with my buddies. We were stationed in Italy, and um, we went to the UK to just see Maz, and that was the rowdiest show I've ever been to. <laughs> like. Like Morrissey's up there crying, you know, and people were quite literally throwing elbows right next to me. Yeah. And, um, it's quite the experience. But... <laughs> yeah, I've never seen Morrissey live, but I've seen Johnny Marr and oh, um, amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, let's hop into this. This has been Natasha Fon. I've been lost and found. It's Clonex Radio.
Strange fear gripped me and I just couldn't ask 